is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, coming to you someplace or from someplace special today. We are brought to you, as always, by our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. Go to charliehustle.com to learn more about their attire and quality goods. And if you haven't swooped up your very own Charlie Hustle shirt, go to fundamism.com. Swoop up the What's Good shirt, the first ever Fundamism and Charlie Hustle collabo that really is all about creating memorable experiences. Stop asking people what's up or how's it going and start asking people what's good. Fundamism.com to learn more. We are in the midst of a legend, a real leader here. Uh, He's shaking his head and making faces already. I'm in the office of one Tyler Palco, former NFL quarterback and Pittsburgh Panther. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. What's going on? I'm on cloud nine, man. Or should I say what's good? It's all good. Uh, What is good, actually? Dude, I'm sitting here across from you. This is the first time that we've really connected in well over two years, I'd say. We've both been really busy. That's a a good thing. We're not drinking coffee uh, every week trying to figure out what we're going to do for a living. So that's good. That is true. Uh, I agree. However, I've always been told that you make time for the things that are priorities. And uh, every time I talk to you, man, I'm I'm energized because we have a lot in common and we're going to get to that. But before we do, we start every podcast with the same question. What do you do for fun, brother? Well, I wish I could tell you that uh, I'm playing a lot of golf, but uh, with four kids and and uh, and a wife, um, I'm you know what I do for fun is making sure that they have food on their table. So, so I, I guess pretty boring dad answer, but that doesn't sound uh, fun, you know. man. Oh, ch- chasing the kids around has has been a blast. I'm, okay, know, be, being a dad is is. Uh, is is one of the hardest things, but one of the most rewarding things. So it, it's been really cool to, to to just I mean you know seven four four and one, and it seems like you know yesterday they were they were born. So it's it's been a blast uh, being a dad and raising them. So seven four four and one. So is or are the four twins identical boys? Identical boys. All right. Uh, let's see. Girl, here's... boy, boy, girl. So okay. Two and two. So at what point do you decide? Yeah. We need three. Nah, nah, babe. We need four. Like, at what point do you like? Because two, man. So we always wanted two. Yep. We had one, and we're like, I think we're good. And the only reason we decided to have two is because, God forbid, something happened to us. Ultimately, they got somebody. Yeah. So what was the what was the thought process and four long winded long winded <laughs> answer of saying first of all we're you know blessed to just be able to you know have you know healthy children four of them but you know wife ha- you know she's healthy and all that stuff so um but you know uh you know dinner table uh you know thanksgiving dinner table things you don't talk about right politics religion all that stuff well you know we're both catholic so i think that i could just like look at my wife and she could get pregnant because (laughs) we're both catholic right so um but we both wanted to have a big family and you know we we wanted to have five right um but we go from you know one so it's a two on one right so that's easy yes and then we went from one to three so we got outnumbered so we had to go from like man to man defense to zone right away so and then the twins and then we say hey we're gonna have another one well after twins having ones like cakewalk against you're like oh my god this is easy uh so we we ultimately decided to you know to stop at four and but uh, we we both wanted a big family so sure we got it and here you are so uh always a follow-up question whenever anybody says that their family is fun what's the most memorable experience that you've had with your kids over the course of the last couple of weeks well, taking all of them on an airplane to uh, to Pittsburgh for Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm going to tell you this, like, so, 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 so we're Tuesday morning. 
right? Before Thanksgiving in the airport, we took the uh, 5.50 a.m. flight. It's a rookie uh, move, bro. <laughs> no, actually, it's a great move because no one's on that flight. Okay. And so, you don't have to mess with delays, typically, first yep, flight of the day. Yep. So we're trying to think out, look out for everybody else. Sure. Like, the morning flight, you know, no one's there, you know. Um, so we, we get to the airport, you know, wake up at 3, 3 a.m., get to the airport. Uh, Ten minutes before boarding, my uh, one of my sons uh, hurls. Oh, no. He, he's sick, right? Yeah. So we're like, oh, crap. So he spends the whole, the two flights, he puked twice in that little puke bag. So for those yes. who think, like, what's this here for? Well, it, it, it's, it's, it's there for a reason, right? Uh, and then progressively, every single one of my my kids, plus my wife, plus my mom, dad, and sister got the 24-hour bug. So, like, it started in Kansas City, and it didn't stop until Sunday. There was a name missing from that. You didn't get sick. A little bit. I mean, yeah. I, I was, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't afford to. So <laughs> yes, How do you do that? Like, you're just a G? Like, I don't know. I just I, don't understand. It probably that. was. But it was like, uh, I, I'm too, too dumb to, uh, to remember I got sick, I guess. I don't know. So, uh, a lot of stuff going on in your life, a lot of steps that have led you to this point. Uh, you and I have several mutual friends. John McGraw, former chief, former Jet, former K-State Wildcat, was recently on the podcast. I met you the same day that I met John at the Braden's Hope Gala through uh, Jess and Ryan Lilja. We immediately connected over leadership and and all the things that you do in people development. I'm super passionate about that. Uh, Long before that, you were a Pittsburgh Panther. And uh, as a quarterback, there's a lot of pressure that fell on your shoulders. How did you... I'm guessing that you had a series of expectations that led up to not just your scholarship at Pittsburgh, but then through your career in the NFL. How did you, first of all, how did you live up to those expectations mentally? And what did you do to kind of to progress through your career to ensure that, that you were mentally right to deal with all that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up, like literally grew up in a locker room, right? So my dad was a high school football coach in Pennsylvania, winning his high school coach in the state of PA. So um, you know, I, I NBD, no big deal. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, I t- technically not the winning, but I mean, he he's won more championships in, in where I grew up than than any other coach up to this point, which um, you know records are made to be broken. So, um, you know, so I, I was I, I can't remember a time that I wasn't in a locker room, right? So I was around sports and, and football my my whole life, and you know, I you know naturally, you know because of the position of quarterback of, you know, being, you know, in charge of everything. I think that that, you know, being around it led me to, to wanting to be a quarterback. My dad was a quarterback. Um, so I think that, that that just kind of was a natural transition and, and playing for my dad and having those expectations of, you know, being the first freshman to, to play for him and on offense and defense. And I mean, like just all of those things kind of pre- prepare you for that. Sure. And then having, being fortunate enough to be on a good team and, you know, being, you know, the cock of the walk. Pretty decent and like being an all American, like all that stuff. It prepares sure. you, right? Um, you know, but I think every step you take, you know, you, you have everyone has that that question, regardless of if they're telling you the truth or not, is you know, am I good enough, right? For sure. And you know, you 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 get, you know, you prepare yourself and you you take that test, right? And if you are, you are, and if you aren't, you have a couple of cha- or choices to make, right? Mm-hmm. Like work harder or you know, bow out, go do something else, yeah, right? right. So I don't know. I think that that's that's kind of how like my my journey went, and you know, there's was a lot of success early in my career, and then um, you know there was you know when I uh, got got to college, you know, thought we were going up this way. They fired my my uh, head football coach at Pitt and bring in a new guy, and then you know I go from you know being on a Heisman Trophy watch list to you know 
the next two years, we were just very average, you know, going from wanting to, you know, going to get drafted to not getting drafted. And then you start dealing with, you know, the, the self-doubt. Yeah. So you, you figure out how to last and how to, what you have to change and, and how do how do you survive? Like a lot of people say, I want to be an NFL football player. Right. But, you know, as John will tell you, like, you know, so did a lot of people. Right. Like, what do you know? What are you going to do different? So, so when when you went from that Heisman watch list to hiring a new coach, obviously you didn't, but they hired a new coach, and ultimately now you're just an adequate football team. Uh, what was that attributed to? Did you lose a lot of recruits? Was it ultimately a change in scheme? All that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was needed, right? I mean, like like the the the, the head coaching change wasn't needed, but like when 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 the new coach came in, like you, you all you go through a culture change, right? I mean, like there's, they, they want, you know, this type of system and th- this is how we handle discipline and this is who we want to recruit. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, you, you all go through that, right? Anytime you go through change. Um, but when it, you're on your last two years, right, you're kind of like, man, this is bad timing. <laughs> right? So you, what do you do, right? I mean, what are you going to do to, you know, to deal with it? What are you going to do to, to, to adapt and, and to make the most of it? And, you know, that's, you know, we, the 2005 year was kind of a throwaway year. And then we, we came back my senior year, we started off like six and one. Right. And then we lost five straight. Right. So right. we finished six and six and don't make a bowl game. So it was just, you know, it, it, it's just trials and tribulations of life. Right. And it's, it's how you, it's how you become, you know, how you become like, uh, gain wisdom and, sure. and how you, you feel like how you deal with adversity in, in your life. Cause it's going to happen right? for I mean, sure. 100%. But obviously everybody handles it different. Mm-hmm. So in that, in those moments, how were you? How were you mentally coping? Um, and, and through that self doubt, what pushed you through those moments? Yeah, I mean, in in, in the college thing, there was no self doubt. It was it was you know how, what 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 else you know when you're a leader of a team, right? It's like what what do what do you have to do to to get better, right? I think and get your team to get better. And I think I grew a lot through that perspective. Is that you know a lot of times people just look introspectively, and I th- see that in a lot in the business world. Is like you say, okay, I'm a leader, I'm going to work harder, mm. I'm going to work harder. Well, you know, I think that that's that's an expectation if you're a leader. You need to be the hardest worker, right? You need to you know, but it's what are you doing to adapt to your followers, right? Like, what are you doing to bring out the most in your followers? And, you know, because, you know, that that's a team sport, right? And you and, and, and a leader without followers is technically not a leader, right? right? You know, like, <laughs> right. you can't, like, lead a team of one, right? For sure. Um, so I think that's that's really where I, I grew the most is you have to just kind of stop and pause and, like, they're looking at you. What, what, what are you going to do to get them? At? Like they're doubting themselves, right? Like they're, you know, they're. What are you going to do to to not get them to doubt themselves? Like, right? what are you going to do besides tell them, like, hey, we need to watch more film, right? Like, no kidding, right? right. Like, we need to score more points, right? sure. So I think that's where the biggest growth happened for me, at least from a a leadership perspective through that college those college years. Uh, I could clearly see the correlation between uh, your career in uh, football and and even growing up, your fun in football, to what you do now. And we're going to get there. I mean, there's so many. Everything that you just said correlates to the business world, which seems like a natural fit now, and yeah, it makes complete sense. And I can't wait for f- folks to hear that side of you. Before we get there, you know, we were talking before we got on air about uh, egos and specifically in consulting and speaking because this market is so saturated and everybody's doing it. It's it's really filled with ego. Like It takes a very specific type of individual to command uh, the attention of others and to speak from a place of, of, of wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, which I love that word that you chose because uh, sometimes we speak from a place of arrogance and you know expertise and that I'm the expert. But when you speak from a place of wisdom and you do it in a manner that creates 
elements of self-discovery as opposed to listen to me because freaking look at me, then people are more willing to buy in. So my question to you is, consulting, speaking, full of egos, I got to imagine that a football locker room growing up, scholarship players, the NFL, all that's full of ego as well. Is that something that you ever struggled with personally? And if so, how did you push through that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that um, I mean, you are right. I mean, anytime you get into you know, you're dealing with, you know, high, highly successful people. I mean, there is this, you know, a semblance of ego, right? And, you know, we can de- debate, you know, good ego, bad ego sure, for all sure. day. I Confidence mean, that, versus I mean, cockiness. Yeah, I mean, blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah, right. blah, right? Um, I've you know, heard it but all. I, but I think from, from you know, that, that perspective is that, you know, you, you can lead through ego, right? And and if things are, are good, then that can work, right? And I think that, that the true test of, of a leader – um, is when when things aren't going good, right? I mean, and how do you react, and how does your team react to to when things are, are are not going well, right? I mean, anybody can sit there when you know the stock price is high and you know ring the bell and be like, hey, yeah. you know, we did it. Look at me, <laughs> like you do yeah. it, you know. But but when things go bad, right, or when things you know you, you take a dip, or when 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 something changes, or you you have a, a detour to take. You know, a lot of times, you know, people aren't prepared to to handle that, right? Prepared to handle, you know, how you have to learn to adapt and how you have to learn to to continually continuously sharpen your saw, right? Like mm-hmm. leadership's not a destination. Like you don't like arrive there one day and be like, "Hey, man, <laughs> cool, I'm here," right? Like I'm done, right? Um, it's it's a constant process, and I think that that's really what, what we focus on. And and you know, from my perspective, that's what you see all the really, really, really good leaders um, that have done it for a long period of time, right? Have have gone through some crap, sure. Right? When they're up top, right? Like a lot of times you hear the story of like, uh, I went through the crap and I'm a self-made, now I'm up here and like, you know, this is the way, this is the only way to do it. Well, you know, I, I at least my opinion is and you like to, to look at people that when they're in leadership roles, you know, how they dealt with those things while, while they're at the top. When they right? got knocked down a peg or two. Yeah. But, and, and, and like they say all the time, that metaphor is like when you're at the top, people are always coming for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's true, right? And, and when you get knocked off the top, right? When you get knocked down, you know, besides, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, I don't really know anybody that's, you know, been up there and hasn't even come close to right. getting knocked down, right? How do you adapt to it? And that's really the thing that I, I look at, look for. Nice. Uh, and something that you've carried forth in your career now after football. Um, as we, and, and prior to transitioning into Solutions 21, because uh, this is exactly why you're on the podcast. And we talked about this with John. I talked about it with you beforehand. I'm certain that individuals like yourself um, that have had some form of exposure to uh, limelight, being super great at something. Everybody recognizes you as a football player. I, I got to believe that that gets frustrating from you to, from time to time. And that's why I only want to spend just a few minutes yeah, on sure. your past. But what's the most memorable experience that you have on the football field? There's a lot of them, man. I, I don't think there's one memorable one. I mean, you know, to 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 be a homer since we're in Kansas City, and I think it's pretty true. I mean, it's got to be up there. Is you know the first time that that you know I started for the Chiefs, right? And my first NFL start um, in the in the NFL was for the Chiefs, right? So you know, this is a place that will always be, you know, crap. It's almost ten years that I've been here, right? I mean, so you know, it's a th- almost a third by a choice, bit. even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. hopefully my wife's not listening. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's 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 start. I mean, it's it feels like home, right? I mean, it, sure. it, it feel you've been here for a long, and that's been a, that was a special time, and you know, I got to share it with Kansas City, and you know, obviously, wish we would have won more games, and you know, if, 
you know, I lost anybody money from gambling. I apologize, but um, no, it's, it was fun. I mean, sure. you, know, if, you know, you grow up, you know, thinking about being a starter in the NFL, and and mine came on Monday Night Football against the Patriots for the Chiefs. So it was cool um, and really special. You know, time of my life, but you know, to be dude, you just humbly said my first start in the NFL was on Monday night versus the New well, England I, I, I do, I, not 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 like being uh, like braggadocious or anything, but like you know, my first two starts in the NFL were Monday night football against New England and Sunday night football against Pittsburgh, like two arguably of the the like toughest defenses to start against. Right. Like I couldn't get like a like a Bengals or a Browns to start in there, like. <laughs> Like just throw you into the, right. the the deep end and see if you could swim. But I mean, it was you'll never forget that. I mean, who'd that, you take? Did you take over for Castle? Who'd you take? Yeah, over? Yeah, he broke his hand. That's and, right against Denver. Okay. Um. Yeah, and it was you know I I mean I I was down at seasons fifty two. Yeah. Um. After that game and you know having dinner and you know Todd Haley called and he is you know hey Maddie's out and you got the keys and I'll you know I I will never forget that. I mean so that's why I said Kansas City will always be a a special place. You know no matter. If it, you know, I'm I'm here or not. It's it's it was a you know place I kind of you know got uh, got baptized here. Yes, dude, I can't help but hear that story. I mean, I got I'm excited. Like I, I can't imagine getting a call and saying, "Hey, guess what? You made it." Like I mean, I know a long long no, yeah, runway, yeah. right? Long long list of items still to be done, but the fact that you got that call and that you're going to be starting on Monday night, man, that's that's amazing. So so you're done with football. Unwillingly, unwillingly. Uh, un- okay. Yeah, when people know you're retired, you're like, well, let me throw a little caveat in there. Unwillingly, <laughs> like, I think we all still think we can can play. I mean, I I would love to continue. I mean, I miss everything about it. How did you come to the decision to? I mean, there it, uh, unwillingly, right? I mean, like, I didn't want to, right? There's just no one called, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, you talk about and and, and my dad. Uh, told me it was going to happen that way, right? Like okay. he said, hey, son, you're going to get a chance to go play college football. You know, you're there to, to play football. You make sure you get your degree. Like that's your, your you know, you, I expect you to get your degree, but you're there to play football. And then, you know, the the whole, hey, you know, you're going to get a chance to play in the NFL and, and you know, chances are that it's going to end and you're not going to have a say-so. And he was freaking spot on, right? right? Like you're sitting there and no one calls, right? Yes. So it's a... You know, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a cool experience, right? I mean, in, in a sense, like you're, you're like, wow, so this, this is what it's like, right? right. And from an ego perspective, you know, it, it's a gut punch. You're like, well, <laughs> all right, well, you know. So how long did it take you to figure out what was next? I think I always knew like that everybody thought Everyone thought that my natural transition would be to get into coaching. Okay, you know, and I think that 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 it was one of those things in my whole life. I've always been like, "Hey, you know, Tyler, um, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't play quarterback. You're a really good safety. You know, we don't think you can play quarter." So I was like, "Okay, don't think I can. I'll show you." I could. you were Lamar Jackson I, before Lamar Jackson. No, no, I don't know. No, I think my hamstrings would have pulled off my. No, there's no way. Um, you made some nice runs. Yeah, but not like that. Okay, that kid yeah, is special, I agree. Right? I agree. Um, but um, you know, but the 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 I I never wanted to be defined by football, right? And it would have been an easy transition. I could have you know ascended to the top pretty quickly from from a you know from a coaching perspective. But I knew that at what cost, right? Family, like I wanted to stay married. I wanted to see my kids, and right. I knew the sacrifices. Not to say that if you're a coach, you don't see your kids, right? For so, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm saying for me, like I knew it was almost like being an addict, right? Like if you knew you're, you know, you're an alcoholic yes. and you, you've seen it, and you're like probably want to stay away from alcohol. For right? sure. Yeah. And I knew that 
probably would have been the path. And I just, I, 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 I wanted to, I wanted to be defined by something else. And I knew that I had more to give. I just, at that time, didn't know what now it's more clear. Right. Mm. As we were all, you yeah. know, we talked about this when we first yeah. start, when we met, right. right. Like you kind of had this idea of what you want. Right. But it's like, I had no freaking clue. <laughs> like, like, how do I, right. Like, I know that's not what I want, but it's like paint this picture. For sure. Um, I could only yeah. imagine going back to the first time we met and because I just know how scatterbrained I was and me trying to communicate to you what the hell I did. And you were a little further along in your process and identifying. Mm, I don't know about but that. But at least you had you had a pla- you had an umbrella. I mean, you you yeah. were partnering with, you know, and, and you knew you, you already had a, a platform per mm-hmm. se that was built. I was just kind of, uh, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, man. Uh, and truth be told, I, I mean, I'm still figuring it out. But You're doing a heck of a job, Well, though. thanks, man. I appreciate it. I, I mean, jury's still out. We got yeah. a long way to go, um, and, and that's why we're here today. So you uh, decided to get into to leadership training, essentially. Is that, sure. Is that yeah, I mean, you know, for, for lack of a better term. Consulting. Yeah, yeah don't say that word. <laughs> it's a bad word. <laughs> so instead of coaching, you found an opportunity to get into organizational development. Yeah, sure. Is yeah. that is? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah, it. it w- yeah, I mean, um, w- w- you. I think a lot of business businesses start because of, like there's you you see a need, right? Like you see a niche, and you know a lot of things that it's not like there's not speakers out there, right? For but sure, you had a niche, right? Yep. Like there was a specific void that you felt that you could. F- Phil. And I think from a Solutions 21 perspective, um, you know, HR people have, you know, constant, like they have training development coordinators and they have, you know, um, you know, OD and they have you know, like all kind of stuff. I mean, it's all there and it's For not sure. to say that it's not, you know, like valid and, but, you know, we're really focused on developing elite level leaders, right? So when you're, when you're thinking about what that means, right? So it's, it's not consulting. So mm. we don't like kind of suggest that you should do this, mm-hmm. right? And it's not, you know, leadership development in the sense that we are putting you through like a three-day, you know, crash course Workshop, seminar, right? Or, you know, uh, but we are focused solely on developing elite level leaders for organizations because the numbers that, like, they're not our numbers, right? They're the numbers that you see from Gallup and from McKenzie is that, you know, or, uh, people are are just not um, prepared to uh, handle uh, leadership situations, right? Like leadership roles, they're getting promoted because they're really good individual contributors. But from the standpoint of, you know, can you select, direct, motivate, develop? Can you can you get things done with and through other people for the greater good of the group? You know, it's a coin flip, right? Yeah. And when you're talking about something that's that essential to an organization, like how does that team operate? You know, that like you need to spend time developing people that are going to be pulling that you know the trigger 100% and i think that that from a sports analogy standpoint you know there's only a few franchise quarterbacks that are just walking the street right now mm-hmm. right so and what are you doing to develop you know those next ones in line um yeah, because if you if you don't i mean other than than like the indianapolis colts who went Peyton Manning Andrew Luck and then Andrew Luck yeah he got cut short right for sure um the, it just doesn't happen that way. You don't think Brissett's the truth? I'm talking. No, 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 no. You're never going to hear me talk that about a quarterback. No, never, dude. I'm never. just messing with you. First, I'm talking about number one. I get it. Like, I get it, know, dude. I'm so. just messing with you. So, uh, you know, I, I, I am really enamored with this topic because uh, you and I, you, I think you know this. I used to work for a Fortune 300 company, and uh, like you in football, 
I was always a, a top performer in whatever role I was in in corporate America. So it started on the call, call center, center floor, right? right? Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm fielding the calls and I'm just having a great time. And as a result, everybody's looking at me like, how the hell are you having a good time answering these phone calls? But to me, like, it's just what we're doing now. Yep. Like, and it was like a puzzle piece. People were calling me to say that they were upset. And like, I found it, it was my goal to, you know, Tyler, I'm sad to hear you're having such a terrible, terrible day. It is my goal by the end of this call to lift you up a little closer to where I am today. So how can we make that happen? And few and far between people were like, no, screw you, man. The bulk of time they're saying, you know, it's not you you're mad at, man. It's refreshing to hear somebody with your attitude. So as a result of that, just taking pride in relationships, I got promoted to supervisor, got promoted to training manager. Ultimately, it culminated as a director of call center operations for Farmers Insurance. 2,500 people, uh, the performance management strategy covered, right? And so I helped with a group of people, a committee of people, kind of choreograph what that looked like and figure it out. And so what we did is we went from a a very metric-based performance management strategy to a behavioral-based performance management strategy. Now, what you just said resonates with me a ton because when I think about all these roles that I had in farmers, I was promoted based on skill set in role. Mm -hmm. So then I got into leadership. And side note, we hired a, you know, McKenzie, whatever, and, and, and they, they weren't that big, but they were a consultant firm to come yeah. in and teach us leadership characteristics. Well, we didn't want to continue to pay this leadership firm or this consultant firm to do it externally. Mm-hmm. So they hired me, a 26-year-old kid, to go around to all of these organizations uh, internally at Farmers and teach leadership. What the hell do I know about leadership? So ultimately, my career culminates in this director role. And what I could tell you is I didn't have much leadership development. I had a mentor that I physically asked for and I was hungry for, but if I didn't do that, then I, I would have been lost. I yep. would have just been trying to figure it out on my on my own. So I think that there is a strong uh, space and niche for what you do. How do you figure out what that curriculum looks like? What's your process that you take your clients through? Uh, yeah. So uh, the, 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 Product, if you will, is it's called Next Leader Now. Okay. Uh, it's a research-based product that that we, you know, we've spent, you know, probably ten or twelve years, you know, kind of getting to where we wanted to to get. So it, it is a research-based program. But the 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 cool part about what we do is we customize it to the organization, and we individualize it to the the person that's actually going through it. Right. So um, I think that that you know, we spend time on the 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 front end of of customizing what what the results are right so i think the metrics a lot of times people are trying to manufacture a a performance metric through leadership that quite frankly they're just numbers right. like they don't as opposed to kind of the behavior or, or results based like did did this happen or did this not happen right. versus you know paul you're 27.3% better because we invested you know $36,527 on you yes. right? Um, so I think that that the, it's just a difference of a of of how people look at it now. Right. Um. And and you know it it's a need. I mean it, it's a numbers thing from our perspective. There's ten. It's it's a ten thousand baby boomers each day reach retirement age. Mm. There's seventy eight million baby boomers, sixty million Gen Xers, and eighty four million millennials. Right. So if you just look at that, ten thousand baby boomers retire or hit retirement age each day. So seventy eight. Uh, minus 60, which is Gen Xers, that's an 18 million person gap, right? For the first time in history, that the, the the preceding uh, generation doesn't have enough to take over for the one that's leaving. And it's a numbers game, right? There's their organizations are losing institutional capital. They're losing, you know, leaders because they've 
they're retiring mm -hmm. and there's not enough in that group that are going to be able to take over. And we've done such a bad job of intentionally developing them um, that there's a, a huge gap for sure. So there's a, there's a need and we're starting to realize that leadership's not position power. Leadership's not gray hair. Leadership's not how much did you sell? Like leadership, it's a skill set that we, we talk about, but we don't really intentionally work on. Right. right? And I think that's, why there's such an opportunity out there for it. And I think it's really cool that, that, you know, we're having this conversation because before it was this idea, right? Like leadership, like it's this nice to have, right? It single-handedly, and we have a bunch of research to show this, but it's single-handedly the biggest strategic differentiator of an organization for the next foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. So in our lifetime in business, there won't be a, a single strategic initiative that will differentiate any organization Besides leadership. Mm. Well, what's interesting about that is uh, I have the opportunity to work with a lot of different organizations as you do, right? And what's different about you and I and our role is I'm typically brought in for an hour mm -hmm. or br brought in for a half-day workshop or whatever it may be. But the common thread that I hear in every organization that I work with is um, how do we create an engaging culture? How do we create a culture of experience? How do we showcase a genuine interest in our people? How do we reduce attrition? How do we improve our employee engagement scores and all that stuff? And I, I think the answer oftentimes lies with, with a strategic approach, and that has to be defined by leadership. Specifically, I was working with a, an architecture firm recently. And, dude, it was so fun because I, I got to do two and a half hours of my content. And I said, well, what's the, what's the afternoon look like? And they said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take our, our, uh, our whole team through a customer mapping journey. Sure. So they had like seven different steps that they had for this customer mapping journey. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have one of our, our team leads, one of our training uh, partners, actually facilitate this, this mapping journey. And we're going to separate each table by role. So we're going to have our partners over here. We're going to have our marketing team over here. We're going to have our architects over here. We're going to have our interns over here. And the goal is each group is going to have some Post-it notes. And they're going to write down under each uh, step in the customer mapping journey, they're going to write down things that they do to drive a differentiating experience within the customer under that respective step, right? So it's like, oh man, I'd love to co-facilitate that. Like that's, dude, that's what gets my blood yeah. blood. Like I love what you do. I would love to do that. Finding the time to make it happen is really a challenge yeah. for me. But now I'm excited because like it's a puzzle again. Now I'm trying to figure it out. So I start leading this activity and we start, you know, how do we incorporate the morning session and what we just talked about in your customer mapping journey? And everybody's talking about these things. And what ultimately ends up happening within the first 30 minutes, Tyler, I'm hearing the, the principal ownership group, and there's like seven, eight of them. Mm -hmm. And I hear one say to the other, well, why the hell are you guys doing that? You cost us money every single time you go out there and do that. And the other guy says, well, wait a second, you guys aren't doing that? And all of a sudden, there's, you know, there's, there's a trouble amongst the ranks, right? And, and, it, and we realize that right now from a leadership perspective that we're not, there's, there's not continuity in what we're doing. So how could we expect it from our people? So we ended up getting done with this exercise and we go, I go back to all of them and I'm like, man, this was phenomenal. I greatly appreciate it. I said, what did you take from this? And they said, 
we need to figure our stuff out before we could effectively believe that our folks can. How could they identify and understand our vision if we don't know what it is? And that's the void that you fill. Yep. So if you think about, uh, without getting too much into your your uh, IP, your intellectual property yeah. or whatever, but if you think about the skills that you guys help uh you know, facilitate growth in, what are some of the things that you help leaders, um, areas that you help them yeah. grow? Well, I think the biggest thing um, that, that uh, you know, we take from this is the, the leadership concept, right? It, it's, it's very prescriptive, right? And, you know, take two aspirin, call me in the morning type right. of thing. But the difference of that is prescription without diagnosis is malpractice, right? Mm. So I can't like prescribe you something without diagnosing you with something first. And a lot of times, Not necessarily true. There's a lot of pharma companies that made a ton of money. Really? <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's a diagnosis there, but it's def- you see what I'm saying, right? I, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> it's it's quite a good business. Right it now. is a strong business model. Unfortunately, the lawsuits aren't making it uh, that beneficial, but. Nevertheless, uh, sorry, no, yeah, no, no. I, I, um, but you know, so, so we take an approach of making sure there's this, this. The, what, what do you look for, right? When you're talking, like, take the word leadership development out of the, the 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 conversation. But you know, what do you look for, like, in your organizational structure? To like, how do you get people to the level where they're actually in charge of a team, right? And what does that what does that mean? And what do you like? How how do you know that your your successful your leaders or managers are successful? Like what how, like what are the we break those things down and we see common themes like you know understanding human behavior and emotional intelligence and sure. how do you hold you know people accountable and you know expectation setting and difficult all those those things that are they're in all the content but really what it needs to be distilled down into like how does it work for an organization so from a football analogy standpoint like I can give you you know here's how you run and run and shoot right and I can give you all my notes but if you don't have the right general manager that that is you know, is drafting and 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 getting the right personnel in the field like those are just plays for sure right right um and i think that that plays like on the chalkboard they all work right if i say hey you know well what are you going to do about like riddle me this batman they're yeah. going to cover 3 and they're gonna, well you run four verticals right. right but it doesn't work that way especially right? when you got me under center yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you know i figured out we we, we can we can play like the 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 mighty might team or something yeah, and you exactly. would be slinging yeah. it out yeah. there in heritage just, park all the slants yeah <laughs> I mean that that's really what what we focus on. Um and there's not a there's not a off the shelf like hey, you know, this is what we did for this construction company sure. so this is going to work for you. Uh, and I think that that's really the differentiator is it takes time. There's it's not a prescriptive like hey, you know, just do this and you'll be okay. For sure. And it needs to be, you know, customized and tailored to that that organization. Obviously. Um and something that a lot of people say that they do, but don't necessarily do it well. So I certainly appreciate your your strength in that space. And shout out to all my pharma fam. I know that I've done a lot of business with some good pharma companies. A lot of that stuff was just tongue in cheek, but ultimately we know some doctors give you guys a bad rep. Uh, ultimately, uh, you have a lot of people that have helped you kind of progress in your personal growth. You mentioned your father being a coach and stuff like that. Outside of your father, who was uh, one of the most memorable coaches that you've had or leaders in your life? Yeah, um, you know, it was uh, there, there's been a lot, right? I mean, um, my my college coach, a quarterback coach that took over um, after um, my Walt Harris got fired, Matt Cavanaugh had a big um, um, 
impact on me, taking me from kind of, you know, college player to professional. Um, I think that was a, you know, he, he kind of helped me understand that it wasn't, you know, just be the toughest guy and, you know, rah, rah. And like, you know, it, it was, it's, it needed to be intentional. It needed to be, you know, I th- that was a big jump for me growth wise. Um, Drew Brees was a, a big mentor of mine, you know, from a, you know, not a coach, but really taught me how to be a professional, what it meant to be, you know, tough and, and how to be mentally tough. And mm. I think that's, that's, there's a difference between being physically tough, like, you know, I can handle pain type right. of thing, but then, you know, the, the mental stress that it takes to be a leader, you know, and, and how you have to handle that. And it taught me a lot about emotional intelligence from, from what I know now to be emotional intelligence and what, what he taught me is, you know, kind of how to be mentally strong for sure. Um, and I think that was a that was a big big deal for me. And and uh, but I've had a lot of people that have been instrumental, you know, in my life. And um, you know, I think that that any successful person, you know, comes across that. One hundred percent. I I think also there are certain personality styles or even leadership traits that may resonate with one person that doesn't necessarily resonate with another. So if you think about um, some of the similarities and leaders that have really connected with you over the time, uh, what what would they be? What would the characteristics? That- yeah, I think that, that that's a great point, right? So um, the 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 avatar, if you will, of a leader um, twenty years ago, right? The command control, yes. the very you know, dominant, do it because I said yeah. so, and we're here to do a job. That, one of the things that we've, there's no avatar, right, for a quote unquote good leader. Like there's different styles, there's different personality styles. Like the, the, the ultimate goal of a leader is, you know, can you get things done with and through other people for the greater good of the group, right? Mm-hmm. Like, can you get that done? And I think understanding your style first and foremost, like how you communicate, what what's important to you, and then how you adapt to the other styles around you, that's the most important thing, right? So from from the question that you asked me, I think that by nature, I'm a, you know, alpha, like dominant, just give me the ball. When things hit the fan, right. give me the ball and get out of the way, yeah. right? But I think that that's only good when you're communicating to folks that are, you know, like-minded that that are like okay, well, I'm going to follow him. Yes, you, know, you can have the almost opposite effect when you're talking to somebody that's a very you know steady, systematic, like don't like to shake things up. Like this is how we've always done it. And you know while that can work with the people that are your style, you have to be aware as a leader, you know how that gets communicated. For and sure. So that's the biggest thing that I've I've noticed about my style is, is you you need to first understand like. By default, when things hit the fan, you know, like, how are you going to react? Right. Right. Um, you know, like for you, you're, you're a, you're a high energy people person, yes. right? So you're going to, you're going to, you're going to attack adversity or like, I'm going to go out and make people laugh. Yep. I'm going to, yeah, we're going to gravitate and, towards something that gives us strength. And, yeah. and if your, your followers are a bunch of like, engineer type minded like this needs to be proven to me yes it could have the opposite effect right for sure that's when i get john mcgraw on the phone and we're yeah, good to go. exactly. <laughs> there you go right and you, you have enough mindfulness yes. you know, to say hey look like this is not you know hot and which is which i think you know from a shout out to john's perspective yes. is really cool what he's doing you know i think um you know we 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 sometimes i joke with him sometimes like do you have a pulse or yeah, exactly. not i'm just what I'm sure. like is this what it looks like to be walking and dead like you're but he's so it's amazing Chill. right it's amazing that like how he processes things and i'm i'm like i'm really 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 i'm joking aside like i'm i'm in awe of how he's able to handle you know those situations and, 
but it's n- not the way I would handle it. For right? sure. So you're like, how do you do that? Yes. Like, you know. And that and I, that's what I think that his his niche is. Like you are helping leaders become better leaders. He's helping individuals like you that can't figure that aspect out at times. Yeah. Develop that particular skill. Um, so how do you how do you work with two alphas? So you got an alpha in a room, and now all of a sudden you got to lead an alpha. Mm-hmm. How does uh, what's been your experience working with that? I, I mean, uh, like for you personally, me personally. I mean, so somebody who's on my team, right? Yes, so like, sure. My, so my boss is literally directly like a clone of me. Okay, right. So when when you look at a style, right on the on the style metric from a like a disks tool or something, so you you have you have to understand, you know, number one, kind of that authoritarian figure, right? Like. The 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 disc model, right? I'm talking about the disc model. So high Ds, yeah. Their biggest fear is like loss of control, right? right? So if he's the boss and like he's my boss, right? So the fear of lot, like if I have to address something with an alpha like that, I have to understand that his biggest fear is loss of control. So when I go address that particular individual, like I need to be mindful and aware of that. So when I go to communicate to him. I can't communicate to him like all willy nilly, like or Peacocky. we're both going to get into a fight, right? <laughs> right. Like we'll, we'll both like throw haymakers at each right. other, and whoever you know is the last one standing gets the win, right? For sure. Um, but that's the biggest thing when you're talking about like a leadership style or how do you communicate is first how do you like what are you walking into? And I think biggest mistake people they don't they don't they don't work on that building that muscle memory when it comes to communication right they just they default to well this is who i am right mm-hmm. we live in that that society of like you know just be who you are that what i think it's important right, right. but that's not an answer to everything right For like sure, if you, you want to adapt yeah if you want to get something done right like you you need to understand your audience right? right so if i'm going to talk to an audience of this or but the thing that's crazy now is that throws a, a monkey wrench into that is that we live in this like this society of like this mishmash of like different personalities and styles, which is awesome. But as a leader, like you need to be on your game. Right. Right. And you're not just, you know, well, you know, Tyler's here today. He's going to just tell me what he to do. And, you know, like, you know, if, if, if we don't do it, then he'll be mad and he'll yell at us. Like, like that's not dynamic and you have to be a dynamic leader. And I, at least in my opinion, today's workforce. Well, uh, what you just went through that whole cycle is is basically the excitement and the buildup of this particular interview because you just kind of outlaid how uh, there's the perfect marriage between fun and fundamentalism with Solutions 21. And specifically, you mentioned you know disc assessment and your own personal foundation, the F and fun, and knowing who you are and what you stand for and what your strengths are, but also where your opportunity gaps are yep. because those could show out you know, in the face of adversity. And so you said it's not just about you. It's about how you respond and adapt. And that's the you understand others' perspective. You got two alphas coming at each other. You can't talk like an alpha. You got to make them feel more comfortable and, and allow them the opportunity to at least feel as though they're in control. We do that potentially through self-discovery and asking the right questions yep. instead of telling them what the damn thing is, whatever it may be. So then the end, of course, is next steps. So what's the implementation strategy? What do we do as a result? And you kind of talked about, you know, DISC. Well, if you have the fundamentalism book, 
uh, we talk about uh, a disc assessment. It's, it's essentially a disc, but this gentleman by the name of Richard Stepp, he associated bird styles with mm-hmm. personality types. You, my friend, are an eagle, like that that natural born <laughs> leader. You know, you're alpha. You go out and you do the damn thing. I'm a peacock. Um, I'm actually a peagle because you could have primary and secondaries. But but to you're your just point, making up just animals, <laughs> just like making right. up animals. What is that? What does that look like exactly? <laughs> I'll draw it out for you. Huh? That'll be the image for our podcast. Like on huh. on LinkedIn, I'm going to do a peagle for you. That'd be fantastic. I mean, I like know. I've I, never I'm not seen a, great I mean, a red, white, and blue like just big old feather. Uh, that I mean, I see a marketing play here. Yeah, I do too. And we're all about marketing. Uh, so if you think about fundamentalism and specifically uh, dope, uh, dove, owl, peacock, and eagle. I think that we get pigeonholed into believing that we are who we are and we got to be authentic. And that is 100% accurate. But to Tyler's point, ultimately, you have to adapt and connect with people where they are. And that's how you're going to create meaningful interactions. So you got time for a quick uh, fast five? Let's do it. All right. Favorite musical genre? Mm, Singer-songwriter. Singer song, so you like creativity, like Alan are, Stone, um, John Legend. Yeah, mate. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like John Legend. I, sure. I'm, I'm a lyrics guy, so like, I like singer songwriter because it's lyrical. Like, okay. like, I like the the the, the words to the song. Sure, but I like, I'm more like soulful, chill, like tone. Okay, so. love it. Yeah, not so much a beats guy. Not really. I mean, I've. I mean, I was in a locker room for. I mean, I've gotten beaded out, right? Beats, like, okay. geez, like in my head constantly. Right? All right. Uh, favorite or most memorable concert? Alan Stone. Last year, my wife and I went down to. Um, they, it was down um, at this down down in like in KCK, I think, somewhere down in like a. I don't know where it was at. It was awesome concert though. Like two hundred people, real sure. intimate. But yeah, it was awesome. Okay, we're going again this year too. Are you? Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that invite. March. Uh, <laughs> so, date night action. I'm not invited is what I just heard. So, uh, and you don't want, you don't you want me to- invited on date night, dude. I'll ruin that immediately. Uh, so any f- favorite vacation spot? Uh, well, my wife and I got married in Cabo. So that's kind of our favorite spot. And, you know, I think the, 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 the fun question you asked me at the beginning, like, you know, what do you do for fun? Right. Um, you know, chase my kids around. We've, we've, we've not been able to get back there since. So that's, that's a, that's our favorite spot though. Not part of the five. Uh, what's the next step in making that happen? Uh, finding a crazy enough babysitter that will spend time like for 10 days with our kids. All right. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, mother, mother-in-law, anybody you got? Anybody I mean, they're like? all great, but 10 days with our, especially the boys, like they're, sure. they're just a handful. So why does it have to be 10? Why can't we just start with baby uh, steps, man? Why can't we start with five? Well, if you're going to go down there, I mean, go hard or go home, right? I okay. Mean, like, fair sh- enough. All right. You could sit down with anybody in the course of history and have a conversation. Who would it be? That is a really hard question. Um, I would say, off the top of my head, I would like one more conversation uh, with my my grandfather. He he passed away when I was actually en route to a quarterback camp in 2005. So I, I would like one more conversation with him. Wow, what a what do you remember him for? He was just like my my guy. Like I was the oldest grandchild, and he never missed a practice, never missed a game. He he was just kind of who I wanted to. I mean, I wanted to be like he was. He was a stud, sure. Um, but he was so supportive. I mean, he. I remember 
just you know just him being there. Right? Yes. So yeah. Awesome. All right. Final question. Then you're off the hot seat. We uh, connected over stand up comedy. Chris mm. Porter was a recent guest. You mentioned that you and your wife are big into Netflix and watching stand-up comedy. I, I believe that laughter can get you through anything, uh, and no joke is off limits to me. Uh, for you, who's your favorite stand-up comedian? That's a loaded question. I mean, who? I mean, they're the they're we, we've we watched them. I mean, we literally watch. That's like when we're laying in bed. You know, when, you know, we don't watch the. Well, I have to. I she makes me watch like you know. The some mass her, singer. Some, well, not no, no. Some of her like girl, like her girly shows, okay. right? I mean, like the, the Bachelorette. Yeah, I mean, okay. kind of yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> but I mean, we we watch it constantly. I mean, that so I mean, it's kind of whatever the one that's that that we watch. But there's so many talented people out there, and f- from the stuff that you do, right? Being yes. in front of an audience, and I can't imagine. I mean, I've done some public speaking, but right. not, nothing like like you said the word a gig. Like sure. I did a gig. Like I have so much respect for people that I mean, because you're. On stage, right? I mean, right? it's it's a little bit different than playing football, like football on stage. I mean, you you like it's just you, right? <laughs> and to see these guys and gals that that can do it and do it day after day after day, and it, and having I don't even know what like like on on the football field, like a play breaks down and you got to scramble, right? Like if you miss up mess up in your gig, like I don't know you messed up, right? And how you can adapt and adjust and like, you know, make it make it right. Like that's the interesting part for me. Yes. Right? Like you can tell if someone misses a block and I'm scrambling around and make but but when I watch you, right? Like I don't know that, right? So so you have to be able to adapt and adjust like in game. Like that's sure. And, and and when when you see comics and, and people that are individually like performing, that I mean that that has to be one of the most lonely like places, but the most energetic places to be at the same time. Like right. I have teammates out there, like run around, throw it, just make a catch, right? Right. I don't know. It's but I you have mentioned a lot of like when a when a play breaks down, sometimes you have to improvise. And I and I would argue that that speaking is no different. You would know though. I mean, I, yes, I mean, true, true, one hundred percent. And I wouldn't know from a from a football analogy yeah. or standpoint. Here's what I'll say though. In my experience, what has resonated with most when you mess up in anything in life, when you freaking own that stuff, man, uh, people typically relate to you a little bit more. So take, for example, I'm up in, I'm doing this ag conference, this agricultural bankers conference in North Dakota. I mean, they're all ag bankers. Yep. And uh, note to everybody, like, I'm not an ag banker. I mean, like, I'm very energetic and over the top. And I don't sacrifice my style because I believe that, yes, you do have to be authentic. Uh, but the same token, I will alter it a little bit to meet an audience where they are. Ten minutes in, I'm actually uh, out and about. I'm working the crowd. I'm talking to people. We're shaking hands. I go uh, work my way back up on stage. And many of you guys have heard me told this story before or tell this story before. I walk up on stage and I trip over the step. And I mean, I don't fall all the way down, but I have to, I have to catch myself with oh, yeah. one hand. Lesser athlete would have hit. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I threw my my clicker is up in the air. It literally falls under a table. I'm claw, I'm crawling around on all fours looking for my clicker. So Tyler, from the moment that I could recall ever messing up in life in junior high, like you know tripping or whatever it may be, it has always been customary for me, no matter what I was doing, to pull up in a fake jumper. So if I trip, <laughs> rest assured, immediately after that, I'm going to pull up in a jumper. Ag bankers, hundred plus. I trip over the stage catch myself and all of a sudden I just do a fake jumper. I'm sure they're wondering what the hell is going on with this dude. It doesn't matter, man. If you're authentic, 
And ultimately, people understand that we all make mistakes, and they see you mess up, and they're like, oh, man, that's probably what I would do, or I appreciate that. Then I found that more often than not, people will roll with you. I just did a gig uh, last, it was just yesterday, and, and we were talking about this, Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, all of a sudden, like, we're going through our stuff, and the, the lights just start getting wonky. I mean, like, up, yeah. down, all off, on. And so without skipping a beat, I just said something to the extent of, you know, tying it into whatever my point is. A lot like the lighting in this room, am I right? <laughs> and everybody just starts busting up laughing. The the gist of it, the short of it is, we talked about stand-up comedy and the correlations between that and public speaking and even football. One of the things that I think that you can get a lot of, of growth from in life is paying close attention to what other people do well. And so when I'm traveling to Iowa or Nebraska or whatever it may be, I listen to a ton of stand-up. We have that in common. And when I'm listening to it, I'm listening to their delivery style and their cadences and how they work the crowd. And it is just a challenge for me to then go out on stage and not deliver their content, but but alter my style yep. and play with the audience and do stuff like that. I think there's a lot of correlations to leadership in there too. No, absolutely. I, I mean, that that's... that's um uh the, the the delivery uh the l- delivery aspect that, that you said is i mean it, it it's spot on for sure yeah well listen man i admire you a great deal uh, if somebody else is so intrigued by what you're talking about and what you do that they want to learn more where would they go uh well i mean solutions 21 website www.solutions21 we're all on the normal social media for outlets sure. um but yeah, I appreciate it. We still have to figure out a way to work together, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that uh, now that we are kind of both grown up a little bit, yes. and like big boy. Oh, pants, we are. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, more than more than we were like six or seven years ago. But um, we definitely have to. I mean, it's been really cool to to reconnect uh, back with you. But I mean, Thanks, I really man. respect what you're doing, and and I, I honestly, we we do have to figure out a way to work together. Because there's, like you said uh, earlier on, a, a ton of synergies. Well, I think just logically, the next thing that I'm working on that you seem to marry nicely into is uh, in the value offering. I need I need a digital offering. You know, right now, um, especially in my world, I, I can't speak for years. I'm curious to find out, but I'm offering very much uh, time for money. Yep. And if I'm not available, uh, or my my wife and my kids are not seeing enough of me, well, then I have to turn away money, right? Yeah. And it never fails. Every time I'm out, somebody says, "This is awesome. Will you?" Will you personally coach me? Do you yeah. do life coaching? Yeah. And and I I can, but I I can't make it work. Yeah. Right. So the next obvious thing for me would be a digital offering, and I see uh, you and your content or your life experience marrying very nicely with that. So You've got to figure it out. More there. to follow. Yeah. Part two. <laughs> Question mark? Part do, I think. <laughs> Listen, as always, we greatly appreciate our guest, uh, Tyler Palco, today. Uh, more amazing guests to follow. We know that we would be nowhere without you, our listener. So we're not just out here to talk about fundamentalism. We're here to create a groundswell and to help people identify ways to get out of their head and improve their quality of life. So without you, that wouldn't be possible. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for your support. We wouldn't be here without you. As always, we encourage you to go out and create some fun in your day and hopefully in the lives of others. We'll catch you on the flip side and deuces. Deuces.